Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Lewis. If this is your first episode to my podcast, please feel free to go back and listen to the other great stories of men and women achieving success and the hard and long road it takes to get there. But today's guest is another great conversation. This guy had a major setback for a major comeback, and he still inspires he motivates, and he's achieving more and more on a daily basis, and he's not done yet. Without further ado, this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Bakersfield, California. He is a resilient leadership strategist, keynote speaker, coach, and author of the book In Different Strokes, Embracing Life's Adversities. He has an undergraduate in business management and his master's in organizational management and he is a member of the Les Brown Maximum Achievement Team and the National Speakers Association. Welcome to the show, Terrence Miracle Manoy. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, man, I, I shouldn't say good morning. It's afternoon, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's great great to be here, man. Uh, thank you for having me on, really. Yeah, I appreciate you for coming on. How does that sound when I, when I say all that? Man, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's my life, so... Um, Obviously, I, I, I hear it quite often, but it's uh, when it's said out loud um, by, by others out loud. Yeah, it just it's definitely is different for sure. It definitely makes <laughs> you reflect real quick. Yeah, it's always um, a journey. Like Les Brown is one of those guys that that was one of the first motivational guys that I really connected to. Yeah. And I used to listen to him a lot during my career. Yeah. That guy is special, yeah. man. That guy is a special individual. Yeah. Yeah. And very much so, Nick, even prior to me getting involved in the speaking industry, um, like yourself, being an athlete, I, I came across Les Brown as well. And uh, I also came across him once I got involved in, in business as an entrepreneur. Uh, I got involved in network marketing back in uh, 2001 or so. And so, as you know, in network marketing, they really push personal development and, and, and associations and listen to the right things and things like that. And uh, I was really introduced to him as well as others at that time. And I became a huge fan and actually was able to meet him a couple of times even awesome. prior to that. So it's really crazy how, how life has its turns. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that. But how mm -hmm. have you been doing with all the COVID going on? How's it affect, is it affected you personally? Yeah, you know, it hasn't affected me personally. I mean, I, I know a couple people that, uh, younger people who, who have it, who, who had it, and they seem to come right through it. But as far as uh, myself, by God's grace, man, I've been, uh, I've been blessed through it all. And yeah. honestly, when it first happened, it, I saw this whole thing as an opportunity especially with uh, me being at home, I was able to, I knew it was an opportunity to get some things done. That's, that's for one. But uh, I, I tend to see every type of uh, uh, stallage or setback as, a, as an opportunity. And that's the way I saw this. And so uh, for me, man, COVID has been, uh, has been, been fine. Uh, but definitely, you know, praying for the world when it comes to this thing. Yeah, it's plant season right now. Got to plant those seeds. Man. This is the time. <laughs> Do it. I mean, when this first jumped off, I was posting about that. Like, this is opportunity time right now. This is not the time to think scarcity 
and think like, no, you know, this is when you go. And uh, speaking of that, it's funny. I'm actually, I decided, I just, I'm building a new house. Awesome. Just signed a contract weeks ago. They just started trenching uh, a few days ago. I mean, so during COVID, I'm, I'm moving forward moving with forward. things. And yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Because, you know, with the state of the world right now, you know, you have the BLM movement. Um, you have everything going on. And then it, it's just like the perfect storm that everybody was locked up in the house. Everybody's yeah, like looking at the TV and, and see what happens to George Floyd and, and just mm-hmm. to be and just be present in that. Like you see a lot more people marching, like a lot yeah. of races. Like when you see Japan and different countries and Germany and things sure, like yeah. that, it's like – it, what does that mean to you and how does that make you feel to know that so many people are on board with equality today then I look at 50 years ago when, when Martin Luther King marched it was just it was just Martin and the people and it was a couple mm-hmm. sprinkled in and out but now it's it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a movement yeah man uh, I I feel so well, first of all, I'm just elated. Um, it's, it warms my heart to see not only, you know, American white people being involved in this and using their energy, using their voice yeah. uh, concerning this matter, but to see other countries and, and not just a few people in countries. There have been huge rallies, cities shutting down to have rallies for the movement, for the Black Lives movement, and more so not just the Black Lives, but again, injustice, inequality in any form, right? But the fact that, that the core of it is the Black Lives Matter movement. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, George Floyd being, you know, kind of the centerpiece as far as the visual for this to see any African American, I mean, besides Obama, yeah. being kind of edified, celebrated. No, not edified and celebrated for the life he lived because people are quick to pick apart, yeah. you know, what he did, how he was living, right? No, but the fact that he symbolizes something all of us, yep. regardless of his background. And again, kind of like Obama was, you know, he was celebrated all over the world for, for who he was, obviously for different reasons, but um, the fact that somebody looks like you and I, yeah, in modern day, regular guy, right? Being, yep. being used to, to celebrate this matter, man, it's, it's beautiful. Do you see Dave Chappelle's 846? No, I haven't, man. I've heard of, matter of fact, I want to say one of my buddies just texted. Yeah, I need, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix, it's on YouTube. It's, okay. It's everywhere. All right. I, I, I look, it's I gotta, only 27 I, minutes long. Okay, cool, cool. It's you know, to I gotta, the point. It's I'm on a writing point. schedule, but I think tonight after I write, bam, I'm going to watch that, man, because you're like the second person who said that to me in the last couple of days. Yeah, he's... He's definitely on point with, with everywhere he goes with it. And Dave, yeah. you know how Dave will start somewhere and then mm-hmm. he circles, he just drives you through. 
Yeah. Then he finishes it off right back at the same place. Yeah. Like, yeah. my point is proven, and then he's out of there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was so genius what he did and how he put things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the statements he made is, is we didn't choose George Floyd. They right. chose George Floyd. Right. Mm, mm. right. right. <laughs> wow. Like That's we didn't powerful. choose these people. Right? Yeah. We, we're not choosing the people that are dying. Yeah. You no. Know? It's yeah. other people that are choosing these people. Absolutely. And he ties it in very well. So yeah, check that one out. That's gonna be it's powerful. It's powerful. I promise you I will. I promise you that tonight, within the next 24, 48 hours, I'm gonna knock it out. And you know, sure. one of the one of the biggest things is is being able to have this conversation. And Dave does such a great job of talking about race and about these circumstances in a way that doesn't make other races defensive. Right. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right? And I think that's the best way to do it. And, I, and I've been able to have some conversations with people. And my biggest thing is not about finger pointing and blaming, but it's, mm-hmm. about, it's about truth and understanding. Right? Yes. And yeah. where do we find that truth? And where do we find that understanding in moving forward? Do you have any idea of anything we can do to be better to not just explaining where we're coming from, but to how we move forward? Because you're a leader and you're a leader of communities, you're a leader of men and you're a leader of people. How can we do better of getting the message across without all the Facebook stuff and out all the other extra stuff that exists. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, and I was just talking to somebody about this a few days ago, and I really think that this is the perfect time. The first thing we need to do is listen, listen. And I, I'm not even talking about just listening to those that sound like us, but even listen to those who oppose us and yeah. try to for one second, half a second, put yourselves in their shoes. Not only put yourselves in their shoes, because when we t- tend to say that, Nick, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, we think about where they are right now. Yeah. Put yourself in their shoes. That, you know what? They, they may have grew up in a community where there was no African-Americans. Yeah. Uh, they, they may have grew up in a, a community where, you know, where it was taught you know, no fault of their own from the time they were toddlers that, you know, black and brown people, you know, are bad, things like that. They may have grew up in a community where there was no hip hop music, you know, mm. they may have been engulfed in, in the culture. So I try to look at it from that point as a person, you know, is, uh, is talking. Yeah. And one of it, so currently I'm working on my um, International Coaching Federation accreditation as a awesome. coach, as an executive coach. And one thing I'm learning, Nick, and I think you can attest to this because you're an athlete and you're outspoken and a leader as well. One thing you learn about coaching is that it should be a a 75-25 split between you talking and you listening, right? So what I try to do is take that into my personal life as well and try to listen more than I interject. One, one, one thing that you don't do as a coach or you try not to do is interject when your client is talking. Yeah, true. Or, or they call it stacking, asking multiple questions at one time. I find that when I practice that in my personal life, 
I'm just so much more at peace. I'm better at actively listening and hearing what somebody is saying. So the first thing I always tell people to do, let's just try to listen. Because a lot of times we want to shout first when and that automatically turns the conversation in a crazy way, right? Yep. So, so, so let's listen. Uh, the second thing I always let people know in whether a person is spiritual or not is even as a person is talking, Nick, I can be saying, you know, bless them, God, help them, God. You know what I'm saying? There's something about hoping goodness on someone regardless of what their stance is. Yeah. It's not easy to do. But I just learned as I've gotten older, I'll be 50 in seven months. So I just got older to kind of kind of learn that that piece of it and know that me wishing somebody well, regardless if they think like me, look like me or whatever, it tends to help me in a major way. And then getting specific as well. Obviously, as, uh, as African-American men, okay, we need to set the tone, make sure that we're setting the tone. Obviously, we're upset about what's happening in the community to us, but we also have to think about what's happening in the community within our own communities as well. Yes, so that starts with showing some love, showing some some respect to our fellow brothers. And because honestly, if we don't respect, respect one another, it's tough for us to show respect to others uh, as well. So those are the, maybe like the three key things that I've talked to. I remember having this conversation, again, like I said, two or three days ago. But I think that's a start. But lastly, I'll say this, Nick, you know, I work uh, full time in pharmaceutical sales industry, one of the largest companies in the world, GlaxoSmithKline. And uh, I've had an opportunity for the um, VP of sales uh, in, in my organization to actually have myself and five other African, four other African-Americans from across the country get on a call with her probably within a week or so after George Floyd. And it's continued since then once every month. That's but awesome. to, see, to see corporations really not pandering, not pandering, but really trying to listen to the concerns of the African-Americans, especially those of us who are uh, in the organization. And no, we don't want to hand out. We don't want you yeah. to treat us any different. What we don't want you to do, though, is not give us an opportunity because of our color. You get what I'm saying? 100%. And so lastly I'll, I'll say, lastly, I'll say this, Nick. The reason why we see so much um, support with this movement, Black Lives Movement, equality, so forth and so on, is because people actually got to see what you and I have been seeing all of our lives. Yeah. Now, what do I mean by seeing all of our lives? Yeah, we probably saw some of it actually physically, but the systematic knee on the neck yeah. has been, that's something we've done. We've dealt with that all of our lives. You see what I'm saying? We've had that, we felt that knee on our necks, whether it be in corporate America, whether it be in, you know, again, in the interview, school boards, housing planning commission, you know, whatever things we are involved with that, that involves a large group of us, we felt that need. It's just that it's been, um, what's the word? Uh, it's it just been more so perceived versus actually seen. Yeah. So we've talked about it, we've cried about it, but now people got to see exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm with yeah. you 100%. You know, yes, seeing sir. that seeing that video does something to you. It does, man. 
It, it does. does. It really does. When we talk about the perception of the black male, do, do the movies we make dictate that as well? Like, you know how they say we want to portray our environment, how we were raised. You know, John Singleton's big on that. R.P. John Singleton, right? This Boys time. in the Hood, and you got all these other movies, and when you portray the, the black males as these types of characters, and then in other movies they're playing these types of characters, and then I never meet anyone black. So the first thought I have is if I've seen one of these movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that goes to, to Nick. Some of, the, some of the misunderstandings that people have, others have of us, you got to sit back some time and go, okay, I kind of get it a little bit. I, I can see, because that's all you've seen. Yeah. That's all you've seen. What I'm, what I'm hoping is that what you've seen is that you don't really think of that as just, that's only our reality, yep. right? Yes, that's our reality, but it's not our only, you know, reality. So I get it, that's that's what they see. Now, we, you know, another person may say, well, well we shouldn't portray, you know, our, our, our black men that way in these types of movies. Well, that's, that's our reality. That's the reality. That's why we, you know, we, we think, yeah, we think it's bad to, to do a drive-by shooting or whatever, but, we know of stuff like that, yeah. right? And when you know of things that have happened like that or people have been involved in like that, you reflect, you're watching that stuff. And so you're a little more uh, attracted, you know, to, to, to seeing some of those things. So I really think it's up to us as individuals is to try to break that, that plane that people may have because they have this perception of the way we are. Um, and again, that really goes into, first of all, us respecting one another. That's it. Me, me easily, easily being able to look at you and say, man, you've done it. You're awesome, brother. You've done some great things in your career. And, 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 and really be authentic about it and understand it doesn't take anything away from me to edify you for your greatness. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have found, Nick, in our community that people feel like giving somebody else props is taken away from them. Yeah, and that's so wrong. No, and that's really, that's good for, for all of us, yeah. right? So I think it definitely definitely starts with there, showing that respect amongst one another. And then, of course, when we go out into the community and we meet people, we, we, we do go about our jobs, whatever we're doing, and that we, should, we, we put a, our best foot forward. And uh, unfortunately, though, it, it seems like when the people who don't put the best foot forward uh, tend to get all of the, the limelight, right? <laughs> get all of the shine. <laughs> the ten you know, percent. The, the world starts stuck. <laughs> right, right. Versus ten percent. Versus watching a podcast like this. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? With two educated black men, so forth and so on. That can also, and here's the key. Also, we can sit here and talk about yes, how great the things we've done as well. But we can also say, you know, man, I haven't always done things right either. Yeah, hundred percent. Come on, man. People can relate to that, Nick. And you know it. You've spoken in front of rooms before. 
people don't want to feel, you know, always want to know how special you are. They want to know how similar yep. you are. And how do you do that? You show, you show authenticity. You got you to gotta let people know, yes, this is great. I've had a great career in the CFL. I've done this, I've done this and that. But you know what? I probably would have been further along if I hadn't done this, this, this and that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Because people are looking at their lives that way. They're going, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have did this and this and that. And they think you, you got it all together. But really, you're going, no, I got it together enough to be where I am. But you know what? I probably could be further. I know that's, that's uh, true for me for sure. Oh, yeah. When you go through those times and you're – and you're just in those moments and and growing up, man, it's just we face all these hurdles and the hurdles become demons if you don't deal with them correctly. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk about growing up to become the man you are now. Growing yes, up sir. in Bakersfield. Do you play sports? Yeah, man. I uh, I grew up playing um, you know, I was pretty good in uh, first of all, I was good in uh, uh gymnastics um, back then it was all about turning back flips and all that stuff so I was pretty good pretty good at that doing that on, out on the grass but then I was pretty good uh, in track uh, flag football as a youth and I got involved in a youth football football and like one like one of the first preseason games I, I did something to my knee really messed it up really bad I actually have a small rod in there right now mm-hmm. and even today when people ask me about it like I'm like I don't even know man I was like 12 years old you know, my mom took me and so forth. So I remember having surgery and things like that. But then I got into, into high school. I steered more towards basketball uh, yeah. because I, I, I saw that I was pretty good at basketball and I saw it as that as a way out. And uh, so I, I kind of wanted to stay away from football just because of that. And also I had a, ba- a high school basketball coach who didn't like us playing football as well because, you know, that's <laughs> ladies, you know, playing basketball. But now I look back and a lot of my buddies who played football and it's not and they go, man, you would have been a great DBT if you would have did it. You know, that's and I said, you know what, you're right, man. I wish, <laughs> I wish I would have. So basketball was my thing, man. And I um, was a decent high school basketball player. Got got a few uh, letters and recruited things like that. Ended up going to Idaho State University uh, and playing uh, my freshman year there, and um, uh, which was pretty cool. I was a backup point guard my first year. And then uh, I decided to transfer. We were six and twenty-one. They were garbage. And so, <laughs> and so the coach, the coach got fired, right? But this new coach came in. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna honor your scholarship, so forth and so on." But one of the assistants uh, went to a small college in the in the Los Angeles area called the Masters University, and he was the one who recruited me. And as you know, when you're recruited by somebody, you kind of attached to them. Yeah. And so I decided to follow him. He said, man, it's a, it's a smaller school. It's a, it's a Division three, whatever. But, hey, it'll, you know, it, you'll, you'll love it. And it was an hour away from Bakersfield. So oh, it all worked out. And uh, I'm so glad I went there, Nick, let me tell you. Uh, so when I finished my, fourth, my, my basketball career, I still had some credits to graduate. Still, I had to, so I had to go to school maybe another semester. And uh, they actually took care of that, man. I honored my scholarship until I graduated. That's awesome. Absolutely, brother. So, that's awesome. that's uh, so yeah, so bas- yes, yeah. So basketball is my thing, man. You know, basketball is my favorite sport. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I grew up. I love basketball more than football, but growing up in Texas, you know, mm-hmm. it was one of those things yeah. where you yeah. had to play football. Like literally, right. my football coach told me I had to play, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess it worked out. But <laughs> yeah. you know, fourteen it, it years. Worked out. So it worked I, out. 
I enjoyed it. I actually played in a basketball all-star game and a football all-star game coming out of high school. Okay. So I was pretty versed at both. Okay. And yeah, I just, I love the, I love the aspects of sports, of what it teaches you. Yes. You know, you're, you're such a leader now. When did you grow into that? Was it when you played on those sports teams, were you the leader of those teams, even in high school and college? Uh, yeah. So one thing I've been blessed with is uh, the gift of gab. So I can talk, <laughs> right? I can talk. Can I always tell people, about, can I expand my vocabulary? Absolutely. I want to get better at that. Still, still working on that. But as far as being a person that doesn't, didn't mind standing in front of a group and speaking my mind or motivating and things like that, that started, uh, my mom had me at church in, at a young age, and I can remember her having me read uh, the offertory scripture in oh, front wow. of the church, you know, and I can remember standing there as a young kid, and my mom standing next to me to help me read through it. And, and, and I wanted, I was nervous, but I wanted to. I loved being in front of the, the room and talking. So it kind of started there. And then, so obviously being one of the better athletes, you're already going to be pushed to the front. You already know that. Yep. Then if you can talk too, right, and you're not afraid to talk, right, that's going to push you as well. And I know for a fact, Nick, I know for a fact, I am where I am today. And I'm doing what I do today. My passion is, is what it is right now. It started way back there, back in what, 19, 1982, maybe, somewhere <laughs> back then. <laughs> I mean, serious, Nick, serious, Nick. I, like I said, I, uh, I know I was joking about your, about your age a little earlier, but honestly, man, back, probably back then is when I really started talking in front of people, in front of groups, motivating, and then realized that in other uh, arenas, people would push me or ask me to be involved, whether it was debate team, whether it be, you know, presidential council at high school, you know, these different things where people saw my talent to speak and putting me out there. And I know for a fact that helped me in my interviews in my career, right? It helped me uh, as I built businesses, things like that. It's helped me so much uh, in that. And so uh, I, thank, I thank God, man, for uh, the gifts that he gave me and allowed me to, or made me, push me to put them to, put them to work right away. I talk a lot about confidence and competing in life. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when you sit in a chair across from someone, interviewing for a job, if you look like you can't do the job, if you're nervous about doing the job, I mean, they're going to be able to tell, right? Yeah. If you're competing with other people that's going to sit in the same chair, mm -hmm. everything that you display in yourself, mm -hmm. everything that you display that you are, mm -hmm. and it's capabilities of doing that job. And, and through sports, I learned all of that. If I, yeah. if I looked, if I broke the huddle and looked like I wasn't getting the ball, or if I broke the huddle right. and looked like, I was afraid that we wasn't going to win this game. If I ran on the field, you'd be like, yeah, he ain't ready to play yeah. today. Like, yeah. this, is, this is everything that we learn in sports mm -hmm. to be able to go out there and achieve what we achieve. And it's so good to, to hear how you translated, you know, everything in basketball over to that business world. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the show up factor. Yeah. It's how you show up. Right. We were you and I have been taught from 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 when we were toddlers, man, that, that showing up is key. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that 
you know, you was a you were a star as a child. You started with high school, college, this and that. It's all because you you showed up. You exu- you've always exuded an air of confidence, mm-hmm. right? Even when we have insecurities about ourselves, sometimes about our talent. Yeah, we still right. We still tend to certain people just exude confidence anyway, and you don't want to be a fraud. Yeah. So you show up and you live in it, right? It's like this, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I'm also a college basketball official. I've been doing it for the last 20 years. That's awesome. And let me tell you this, man. I can make a bad call or I miss a call, but once the whistle blows, the whistle is blown. I can't reverse the call, right? <laughs> right? I may pop the whistle, but I'm going, gosh darn it, oh, I wish I hadn't, you know, I wish I had waited half a second on that. But when I run to the table and I report, and everybody probably knows this is a tough call, bad call, whatever, I guarantee you that coach goes, maybe he was right. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because when I, even though I made that, I, I made a, I, the way I showed up and the way I went to the table, we always joke about that amongst officials. You go to the table, confidence, number that, you know, you're doing your whole thing. Even though in your head, you're going, damn. Miss that one, right? <laughs> because you can't show that on the court as an official. You can't show like, oh man, you know, I may go to the coach, uh, you know, have my hand over my hey Nick, you know, my bad man. If I can have that back, man, I apologize. You know, you know that type of thing. A lot of times, coach, hey, you know, no problem, Terrence, whatever. So I find that that's the same thing, you know, in life as well, man. Is that we just, you know, that that confidence, always exuding that confidence. It definitely came from from sports. It definitely came from refereeing basketball. But it's definitely the way we have to walk into these boardrooms. Yeah. It's definitely the way we have to walk into these uh, these interviews and sports and things like that. You know, that you've been blessed to to do. Uh, we have to definitely exude that in every area of our life, with the understanding that we're not perfect. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna mess it up. We're gonna get it get it wrong, and it's okay to say, you know what? Ah, I got that one wrong. It doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't doesn't mean you you're not confident, right? Now, yep. do you want to say that a million times in a row? No, that's gonna be a problem. But <laughs> you right? But you do want, want to care. And I think I thank God for sports, man, for um, um, really showing me that. And then of course business as well, having to execute that in front of people, and more so that confidence that you have, Nick, now you have to transfer to other people. That's it. Especially when you're leading a voluntary army, say like in network marketing, Yep. right? Where people are not getting there. It's easy to do that when you got a regular chat. People working for <laughs> a company, right? Everybody knows, boy, yeah, yeah. But when it's voluntary, you know, it, yeah. that's a whole different skill set you need to have. And, I, and I've always equated it to security versus freedom. Mm-hmm. Right, the security of knowing you're getting a check, but the check yep. you're getting is what someone thinks you're worth doing that job. Yeah, yeah. P- compared yep. to network marketing, you get paid as much as you are worth to that company. Mm-hmm. Right. If you go out and do a great job, they're going to pay you for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in some cases, you can be in a position if you do it right and you do it long enough, where you start getting paid when you're not necessarily doing bringing that that energy to to the to the forefront. Does you make sense? Meaning, if you decide to build a team, 
Yes. Right. If you decide to build leverage, yeah. you may not be giving as much energy as you did, you know, when you got started, but that's, that's the key to it, right? Yeah. You want to be temporarily ambitious so you can be permanently lazy one day yeah. as a mentor told me. And so that's the beauty of that. I will say this though. I've always been an advocate. Uh, I've had a great corporate America career. In uh, whatever job I was in, I started out, you know, at JCPenney's as a management trainee. I went on to Pepsi Cola as an as an account manager there, and oh, then I got into the pharmaceutical industry as well. So you know, I've I've had a good career as far as a corporate America is concerned. And I don't know if it's just a Capricorn in me, but I or, or whatever. But I've always believed in multiple streams of income. Yes, indeed. You can make it happen. You can have a full time building something outside, doing that. But here's the key. Here's the key, Nick, is you must honor the job, wherever, you know, the career, the business that you're in. See, I believe that a lot of my success outside of corporate America has come because I've honored what God has given me. I'm honoring that. Yep. And then so he's honoring the other stuff that I'm trying to do. So I'm not stealing or taking away from my company. I'm giving them my 100%. But like Jim Rohn says, right? You know, work your job from for what, nine to five. And then, you know, what is it? Build your fortune or build your dream, right? From 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 five, whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, you know how the saying goes. And so um, I, I think we can do that. And, you know, and at the same time, there's people who've had much success right off the bat in their own business, network marketing, you know, and more power to them. We all have our, our story. We yep. all have our journey. What I love about network marketing, what we've been doing, uh, uh, Nick, and I know you've had success in multiple companies, is that we have, you know, basically always had the mindset of how can I serve more people? That's it. See, corporate America, yes, I know I'm serving people, kind of what I'm doing, whatever, but there's something about that direct touch though, whether it be through the phone or talking, this and that, or sharing your words, or sharing your story with other people. So well when you when you left college and how long did it take you to figure out you were gonna go for your master's in organizational management? Hey man, thank you man. You definitely did your homework, bro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I definitely when I got out of college I finished in nineteen ninety four and um it's when I got my degree, and I knew I wanted to take a breather from school. I wasn't the greatest student. I was okay. I did well enough to get my degree. I definitely earned that, um, but I wanted to give it uh, give it a little breather. So I actually uh, went. You know, me and my best friend moved in together for a few years, and um, but I always knew that in order to separate myself, I had to at least get a master's, right? right. And, and especially at that time, this was early two thousands. It was like, man, you really want to set everybody to get a master's. You got to separate yourself by get, getting a master's, and so uh, so it took me about the, it's about what four or five years. Uh, so I was out of school, started working this and that. Four or five years later, I decided to to go back, and, and let me tell you, I went to uh, uh, the University of Phoenix. So I did the program, and, and to keep in mind, at that time, these types of programs weren't looked at like they are now. Yes. Right now, right now, it's, it's all good. You can go, go to Phoenix, or all these other schools, going to be online, whatever. It's all good. But back then, it was kind of like, it was kind of new. 
And, but I'm so glad that it did. It was a two year process. Uh, I decided to get that and it fit right in with what I was doing. Because at that time, I had just got involved in network marketing. It was all about organizing, right? Yeah. Being able to organize a team. Uh, but also, from what I was doing in corporate America as well, was something that benefited me as well. So I'm going back to get that master's degree. So about a four or five year uh, little, little uh, uh, time to think it through and take a little break from school. And then what was your nine to five during that time? My 95 at that time, so I started uh, Pepsi-Cola, because I can remember, yeah, uh, yeah, I was at Pepsi at that time, because I can remember getting the uh, reimbursement checks. You know, they were, <laughs> they, were, they were giving me, for every class, it was $1,000 they were giving me back, you know, to, to pay for it. So I thank God for Pepsi-Cola, man, for, for helping. Like I said, man, I have no complaints about my, my corporate career, man. It's been, it's been a blessing, and... Um, but yeah, so I, I was at Pepsi, man. I was slanging that soda, man. That <laughs> <laughs> slanging soda? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Going up against Coca-Cola. We call it Coca-Cola. <laughs> what do you drink now, Pepsi or Coke? You know, I'm, I'm more of a Pepsi guy. Like, I'm going to go in and choose now. If somebody asks me, you know, what I want, I'm going to say Pepsi. But if they bring Coke, I ain't mad at them. Yeah. You know, when they do that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny though how that loyalty stays in you all your like the rest of your days. I spent five, six strong years there, and uh, my loyalty to them was was great. Um, uh, like their water, Pepsi's water, at least in America, is uh, Aquafina, whereas uh, Coke's water is Dasani. Yeah. Right. So every opportunity, even to this day, to get a, 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 a Aquafina over a Dasani, I'm gonna do that. So <laughs> it's, just, it's weird how that happens, man. They both are sitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm a they, water specialist. They, they both ain't good for me. Right? Yeah. They, they, both ain't, they both ain't good for me. So. <laughs> so you have the name Terrence Miracle Manoy. Yeah. Can you tell us why Miracle is in there? And what, you know what, what? happened? And let me tell you, uh, it's definitely not something I, 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 said, I woke up one day and said, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm a miracle. You know, things like that. So um, uh, February night, 2015, I was uh, at a mall with a friend of mine. And uh, we were celebrating her birthday. And uh, this is down in the Los Angeles area. And we were walking in a mall. And I had just finished at my hotel. I had just finished working out. I mean, I felt wonderful, Nick. Just felt great. It was a great day that day. I can remember. Um, taking pictures. It was a beautiful day in Los Angeles. I remember making a couple posts and things like that. And uh, when I was out to dinner with this friend, we were walking through this mall, and as we were walking and just chit-chatting, all of a sudden, all the energy from my body was zapped. I mean, Nick, I had to sit down immediately. I mean, like, now. I had to sit down. Luckily, we were walking. There was a chair where I could sit down. When I when that happened, I kind of came to, you know, kind of gathered myself a little bit. And I realized that one of my eyes wasn't working right. So all of a sudden I was tired and one of my eyes wasn't working right. I just remember we were in front of a uh, Bloomingdale's and where we were sitting, I couldn't see the whole word. I had to, I had to um, you know, I had to scan to see the whole word. I just thought that was odd. And then we went into a shoe store and Nick, she was probably about 20 feet away from me. And I can hear her asking me about a shoe. And as she was asking me about this shoe, 
shoe, again, about 20 yards away from somewhere, 20 feet away from you. So I hear this other voice, and it was the sales lady. And I was like, where's that voice coming from? Well, Nick, when I just looked over to slightly to the right, the sales lady was right next to her. Now, I didn't know it at that time, Nick, but I had a blind spot to develop right there because of that TIA, like trans, transient ischemic attack is what they call it, a warning oh. stroke. That's what happened to me when all of my energy was zapped. Now, I didn't know that at the time. If I knew that, I'd have left and went to the hospital right then. But I didn't know it then. But the reason why I couldn't see this young, this other salesperson right next to my friend is because she was in a blind spot. So I had to look over to see who she was. I thought that was odd. So the next morning I wake up, Nick, and uh, I still wasn't feeling well. So I drove from Los Angeles all the way back to Bakersfield, went straight to my eye doctor, and he examined me. And I can see fine. But this little spot, I just was, this was kind of weird. So he said, you know what, Terrence, everything looks fine. He said, if I were you, I would get an MRI or a CAT scan to see if anything is going on in your brain. Now, Nick, you know, we're athletes, right? You know, yeah. feeling good or whatever. I'm like, you know, uh, I'm going to wear it. I'm going to walk this off, right? I'm going to go home, take me a little aspirin or whatever. I'm going to lay down, just kind of relax a little bit. And uh, I was doing that for about an hour, hour and a half. All of a sudden, the room started spinning. I realized as I raised up in bed that I couldn't, could control my left arm. It was really weird. Then I tried to stand up and lift myself out of bed. And I found myself holding onto the wall and eventually sliding down the wall uncontrollably. Found yeah. myself on the floor. It was crazy, Nick, because my face started contorting. I, I thought, you know, this is odd. And I thought to myself, I think I'm having a stroke. And luckily I yelled for my son who happened to be at my house and he was home and got me to the ER. And then I had my I had a third stroke uh, at that point because the clot had moved. And so getting back to your question, why people call me miracles. So after I had these three strokes within 24 hours mm. um, and all the rehab and learning to walk again and things like that, when people saw me out in the community and they saw me starting to improve and this and that, because it was documented, you know, yeah. videos, uh, things like that. And uh, people would say, man, you're a walking miracle. They would just keep saying that, walking me, you're a walking miracle. So when I decided to start my brand and uh, speaking and coaching and things like that, I was trying to think of a name. I was knowing motivation. Right? Then I thought, miracle, let me add the miracle. And I noticed that it was a nice ring to it. And uh, people started uh, you know, liking it and giving me, giving me some props for it. So I ran with it. So that's where the miracle comes from. It's because people saw me progressing through my recovery and they started calling me Miracle. How long was the recovery? So the recovery for me, um, it took me a month to, to, to walk again. Mm. Um, it probably took me three months to start jogging again, you know, kind of jogging, being able to try and hold my balance myself. And I would say about, about the fourth or fifth month is when I started really kind of running on a treadmill. So I would say in total, so they say when you have a stroke, you know, recovery is lifelong. Let me be honest with you, there are some yeah. things even to this day, five years later, that I go, oh, it's getting better. Um, but I was out of work almost a year and um, about nine months or so. And, uh, and that's when I felt like I was back enough to at least go back to work. I wasn't fully, fully, you know, myself like I am today. 
but I felt I was ready to, to, to go back at that time. So about nine, 10 months for me, man. I was lucky. Man, that's, that's a, that is a, that's a hurdle. That's, that's something that we don't, we don't ever envision trying no. to make it back from, you know, and what, what allowed you to go there? What allowed you to come back so strong and so motivated? Um, uh, the first thing is, man, is I, I've always been, uh, you know, in the church, my wife had me in the church. I've always been a believer. And the first thing I did not do is, you know, blame God for it. And I didn't ask him why, 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 why me, why me, right? I, I just didn't do that. I did say, God, if it's your will, then so be it. Uh, I don't want more, but if more comes my way, if that's what you have for me, then it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to continue to praise you anyway. Uh, I consider it my Job moment. You know, yeah. for those who know, know know the story of Job in the Bible. So that, that was first thing. Second thing was I, I kept visualizing myself. Look, Nick, you and I, have had, we got some highlight reels. Yeah. Right? We have some pictures of ourselves, you know, looking good and strong and feeling great. So I just kept visualizing myself in a better place that I'm going to come through this. And here's the deal, Nick. I had an actual stroke. But let's be real. We, you and I have been having strokes all of our lives. Strokes all of our lives, right? Yeah. We've had, whether it's our growing up, it's our, 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 our environment. We went through things. I mean, I had my first son when I was 17 years old. I was still in high school, right? That's a stroke. That's a stroke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so many other things, yeah. right? Growing up, growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Poverty, things like that. So I, I realized that I, I've overcome a lot in my life before so I kept visualizing myself overcoming uh, this particular situation and then the third thing I did was kind of like what uh, I was talking to a client maybe an hour ago and we said active faith I realized that I can yeah you know yes I need some help God but you know what I'm willing to go to work yep. I'm willing to put in the work to get myself better get myself in a better situation uh, and, and uh, really looking at things that way and then the fourth thing I did, Nick, something that you and I as athletes, we, I know you've done it before. You've had an injury. You've had an injury, whether it was an ankle, knee, or whatever. And you tried to do the most basics of things, and you realized you couldn't do it. Yeah. But instead of going, gosh, darn, I couldn't do it, you, you kind of laughed at it. Like, that's too funny, man. I can't, you know, because you know that was your thing, right? Yeah. That's your thing. This is what happened to me. I was in rehab a number of times. A lot of times, because my stroke affected the left side of my body, they would want me to stand on one leg on my left, on my left, just, just, just balance myself on my left, with my left leg. Well, you know, right now, if, you, if I ask you to do it, you better do it probably, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, you know, hold just, just stand there, right? And just on your left leg. I was only able to do that for like half a second, Nick. Half a second, like, like I would, like, I mean, literally, like, we all balance out. They have to hold me up. But I'll never forget the day when that was, when that was happening. I was smiling about it. I was smiling. Why, Nick? Because I understand that we're going to go through some things, you and I as athletes, as people, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, right, that we know for a fact are just temporary. Because yeah. we feel that resilience inside of us. We know we are strong people. We know we can get through this. But I'm laughing at it because I know this is going to be a great story. 
Yeah. You know, I'm already process. thinking for it, right? It's about the process. Yeah. It's that process, embracing that process. And you know all about that, Nick. Embracing the process to get better, embracing the process of knowing sometimes you're gonna hit the ball, hit the wall, sometimes you're gonna drop a pass, yeah. right? Even though you, you caught a, a, a what a thousand fifty one of them, something like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, a number. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know things are gonna happen, but that's okay. It's, it's, all right, let me let me get back on the horse and do it again. So so yeah, that's what helped me, man. That's what helped me kind of get through things. Is that where the book came from? Yeah, you know what? And let me tell you, the book came from the fact that Nick, you and I have heard the motivational speakers. Yeah. We've read the books. We've read the quotes. You know, um, we've heard in church, you know, God wouldn't allow. If you weren't strong enough, God wouldn't allow this to happen to you. Or, you know, you can win anyway. All these different things from Jim Rohn, all this stuff. And what I realized, Nick, is when I actually practice that stuff, because here, see, it's easy to practice that stuff when things when good. in life are good. Yeah. But now can you practice it when you really need it? Exactly. Is that stuff really true? This is when you really see. Is that stuff true? So, Nick, guess what I did? So while I'm in the hospital, I had my son. I say, look, I want you to go to my library in my office and bring me several books. And send them. Not that I'm going to read them, but I just want that positivity in my, in my room, right? Because I'm thinking on these things that I've been hearing, all these speakers and this and that, and I'm actually doing my best to live out, you know, what they, would, what they were saying. And I realized, Nick, that, it's true. A lot of the stuff that we've been hearing from speakers, things that you've read, they really work, man. The thing is, though, is a lot of people don't believe them because they haven't been put in a position where they actually use them and seeing things manifest because of them, or they were in a position, but they chose not to. So I wrote an ebook early on in my, you know, right after things happened. And one of the things, one of the points I made was don't abandon the ship. What I mean by that is all of this stuff is all, was already in me. I had listened to all these, all these positive things, messaging all of these years. Now that I'm in this situation, don't abandon it. Don't go, oh, you know, and just go crazy and start worrying. Let's lean on that stuff, whether it be the word, whether it be Les Brown, Tony Robbins, all these things that we've been listening to, or a personal mentor or whatever. I chose to lean on it and actually believe that stuff. And so from that came the book. Why? Because as I was in the hospital bed, I can remember right now having my iPhone, having the notes app open, and just taking notes, just taking notes. By the time I was done, Nick, by the time I got out of the hospital and through recovery, I had just notes, hundreds of just notes, quotes or whatever. Yeah. And so um, I decided to put the book together uh, uh, from that. I didn't want to call it Different Strokes. Why? Because a million people have a book called Different Strokes, especially if they've had a stroke before. If you can look it up, you can see that. Yeah. I want it to be different. And that's why I called it Indifferent Strokes. Now, 
not indifferent to the stroke, like, oh, so what, I had a stroke. Indifferent to the process. The doctor said, look, man, six months before you even really start feeling somewhat normal. Us as athletes, Nick, normally we'd be like, shoot, man, I'm, I'm Nick. Man, you tell me, Nick Lewis, I'm about, to, I'm about to come back right away, right? Yeah. No, Nick, I embraced it. I embraced it, and I said, you know what? That's what it is. I'm indifferent. Hey, you're yeah. going to have to start working out. You're going to have to start, you know, doing some squeezes and stuff. Like, I was indifferent to the process. I'm going to do that. You're and competing with the process. Again, once that started happening, and then that's when I started. So with all these notes, I started putting little thoughts together and stories. You know, I think it's some funny stuff in there as well. Some transparent stuff as well. There's some things people read in the have read in the book and go, wow, I had no idea that happened to you. You went through that. No wonder why you came through this stroke. Yeah, because I, like I said, I had strokes. I've been having strokes. This is how happens to be an official one. Yeah. You know, this year, I labeled this year New Year, New Mountain. Mm -hmm. And it was just a change of thought of the way I view a year. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before on my podcast, but The way is this, in our vision as people, we see New Year's as who I want to become. Mm -hmm. There is no plan in place. There's only a New Year's resolution. And then it gets hard. And then we go back to being who we were and say, well, there's always yeah. next year. Yeah. Right? This year, I don't, I don't know what point in life I'm at right now. I was just in a, in a, in a situation where I don't know, I was kind of at a crossroads, right? I didn't know what I was gonna do. I had some ideas of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. And I said, New Year, New Mountain, because I know where I'm trying to go is gonna be hard. Where I'm trying to go, there's gonna be different terrain. Where I'm trying to go, there's gonna be different weather. I, can't, I don't choose the terrain, I don't choose the weather. Only thing That's I can right. choose is to take another step. Yeah. Right? And knowing that allows me to withstand the hard times. Yes, sir. Because if I thought it was just going to be easy, then I say, you know what, I'm going to go out and do this. You can't, right? I had to dig deep within myself, but I've already, I've already prepared myself for COVID in January. I prepared myself for anything else already because I know it's going to be a mountain. I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't yeah. know what obstacles were going to be in the way, but I knew they were going to be there. Mm -hmm. So when we got to them, I was like, you know what? It's just another one. How do we get there? How do we move around it? How do we move over it? Love it. Right? Love and, it. and this is the things that I've learned and I've loved about just kind of my life of overcoming. And then listening to your story about you overcoming mm -hmm. and, and the obstacles, I almost felt like football chose me because I never loved football. Mm -hmm. But I had a chance to compete against some of the best play, players in the world. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that's all you had to tell me. Yeah. I love competition. Yeah. Right. Hey, let's go. Let's go compete. Yeah. And, and when you talk about that, it excites me, man, because – just to hear 
the mindset and to know the mindset behind what it takes, right? Everybody just listening to this might not have had a stroke, but everybody knows someone who has. But to have three? Dude, that's yeah. a powerful story. You have to come Man, back and to still do it. And let me tell you, let me, let me give you a great nugget from that because I've used it. You know, and, and you are, you know this, use your pain. Use your pain, right? If you go through something, use it. And That's so it. the reason why I had three episodes of the stroke within 24 hours is because the, the clot actually moved a couple of times. So I actually have on video my neurologist talking through it. She said, Terrence, where the clot initially hits you in your brainstem, if it had stayed there, you would either be right now dead or permanently paralyzed if it stayed where it was. But what happened was the clot actually moved and then it moved again. She said, but if it had stayed where it was, if it didn't break up like it did, you would be dead or paralyzed. So I thought of it as in life. I asked her, doctor, are you telling me that a breakup was a good thing? <laughs> it is. Sometimes it is. She said, absolutely. In this case, it was. Yeah. And it's so true in life, man. Sometimes we hold on to things, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a mindset, whether it be a career, whatever. We hold on to it, not understanding that the breakup is necessary. If I did, if that clock did not break up, Nick, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yeah, no, there would be no happens. book. There would be no miracle no motivation. There would be none of the things that I've been able to do. And so when I speak on stage, rather, the, it doesn't even matter whether it's sales or, or, or nonprofit, whatever it may be. Um, I'm always able to interject. I'm always able to work around my stories to make them fit that setting, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like you said, no, not everybody has had a physical stroke. Yeah. But I promise you, 100% of your audience that watches this, they had some type of stroke in life, whether it be a divorce, whether it be an illness, a death in the family, loss of a job, I mean, I can go on and on and on. These are strokes that we have in our lives, and there are ways to get through them as well. And uh, those are some of the things that I talk about. So when you, did you do speaking before 2015? <laughs> or did you become a speaker after this? And yeah, if you yeah. did do it before, did it change who you were as a speaker after? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're in my office, so I got to show you something, all right? Let me grab right. something. Thank you. Cool. And I think you'll relate to this very well. So, Nick, um, so first of all, um, so like I said, I've always been a, I've always spoken positive messaging to people. Yep. People at, would ask me to, this project, you know, since I played ball and I played at the division level, had some success and that, people would ask me, hey, can you come talk to my team? Or, you know, I've, I've done things like that. 
obviously in front of you know sales groups and things like that. I really got my you know uh, with my chops with uh, when I got involved in network marketing. I got involved in Eagle Shield um, back in two thousand early two thousand two. I started speaking you know all over the country as I built my organization. So a number of times I was in front of the room sharing the business, but also obviously when you share a business, you're sharing your story. Yeah. Testimony, right? So I was in front of the room. So I've always had that. And I, I felt like motivational speaking is something that I probably want to do one day. One day I think I want to get involved. So, so on, and I'll text this to you. So this, this is my goals from 2015. So January 2015 is when I made these goals. Je February 2015 is when I had the stroke. Okay. Mm. So on one side, and I'll send this to you, Nick, but on one side, it's my, my 2015 goals. I, I just put my goals up, no problem. But on this side was my 2020 vision. And again, this was back in 2015, wow. my 2020 vision. And, and on my 20, 20, uh, 2020 vision, I said, uh, just one of the many things that I wrote on here, one of the things here I'm looking here, motivational speaking. That's what I said. This, back in 2015, before the strokes, 2015. Next thing, right after that, write a book. It's 2015. Mm. I said by 2020, I want to be a motivational speaker and I want to write a book by 2015, by, by 2020. So this was January. Now, February 2015, I had strokes. Now, here's the key. Miles Monroe said, all true visions will be tested for authenticity, Nick. That's what he said. All true visions will be tested for authenticity. So, Nick, you say That's you powerful. want to do this, right? So, Terrence, you said, oh, oh, so you want to be a motivational speaker. You got your goals up around your house, huh? Oh, is that right? Okay. You want to write a book one day. Oh, you got, I see. You put, got this, I had this up in multiple areas of my house. It was tested for authenticity. Yeah. The strokes happened a month later. Do, do I still believe in this stuff? Do I still want to do this stuff? You see what I'm saying? So you may have a vision, a goal, a thing that you're trying to accomplish right now, understand that it's going to be tested and it's only being tested to see do you really mean that nick do you really want to right you know and so go ahead go ahead oh i, I was just gonna say you know when you when you pray for something mm -hmm. you got to go through something to get to, to where you want to be right yeah, just the i way would it is. never pray for patience mm -hmm. when i played football because i didn't <laughs> want to ever be like, I'm not getting a ball because. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, and I tell you, so here I was putting this off to 2020. Think, oh, I want to do this later on. Right? Not knowing that I would go through the circumstance that would push me to do it three, four years in advance. Right? Yeah. Because I feel like uh, the man above had a plan for me. And he probably was, you know, Terrence, you've been sitting on this long enough. There's been many a signs that you should be a speaker. You should do this. You should do that. But me being who I was at that time, going, I got time. <laughs> right? What we say. A lot of people, a lot of people, I mean, John Addison saying this, everybody lives in the one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. 
Well, I'm going to get to that one day. One day, someday, 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 until they do what? They run out of days. Then you don't have no more days. So now I live with a sense of urgency, Nick. I realized that at the age of 44, stout, looking good, thought I had life all together, money in the bank, this and that, everything going great. I realized that things can change just like that. Wealth without health is nothing. Yes, you're going to get some great health care. That's about it. But wealth without health? Come on, man. It's no. Can I, can, I share, can I share something else that's going to really trip you out? Let's go. I got to share this, Nick. Let's go. The day, the day that I had the first stroke, remember I told you it was a great day in Los Angeles? Yep. I'll, I'll send this to you, man. I made a Facebook post that day because it was so great. And I was listening to a rap station. And the rap, I forgot what song it was, but I know the rapper, it was uh, Pusha T. Okay. One of the lines in his, in his, uh, in his, uh, his uh, verse was, Ask Steve Jobs. Well, don't buy you health. That's what he said. I forgot the name of the song. Him is him, Kanye, somebody else, right? And I thought that was so like wow, like that's profound for you know, especially a rapper, right? To say that. Yeah. I actually posted about it that day. Well, don't buy you health. Wow, Matt Rapper, this and that, this and that, whatever. I made that post. Not no. So and here I was out there doing what? Chasing wealth, making sure I'm doing my good job so I can keep that money coming in, right? Yep. Not knowing 24 hours later, Nick, I'll be fighting for my life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So here it was. So in my book, I have a chapter that's called The Universe Talks to You. Nick, and I know you know this because you're an athlete. Yep. And I know where you grew up. You've been through this. Things, there are some things that are happening around you that are that are telling you something, but you don't, you don't know at the time. It's not till later where you go, gosh darn it. That's why that happened. That's what, you know what I'm saying? That's why I ran into that lady. That's why I heard that. And that's how I feel about listening to that rap song and posting it. And I use it in my talks. I show people the actual post from that day and say, here it was, me saying that, well, don't buy you help. And within 24 hours, I had no help. Come on, man. So it makes a profound point to live now Live with a sense of urgency. Let's stop procrastinating in our lives, right? Push ourselves and do things now versus later. For human, of course, we're gonna drop the ball when it comes to that sometimes. But let's try the best we can to live moving forward at all times and do things now versus later. And that's why the book has come. That's why I'm writing another book, and that's why I'm trying to launch, really get this speaking thing going once COVID comes back. Here's the deal too when it comes to speaking. People ask, well, how you feel about you know the industry now? I don't feel nothing. It'll come back, man. We, we've been here. I've been through many setbacks before, man. It, it'll come back. It, it may not be, and especially people tend to stop to realize that with COVID, eventually there will be a, a cure, something to help it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, with, with, uh, with that, so eventually people are going to be okay gathering in places, and I get the virtual thing, and that's all wonderful. That's great, but I'm a speaker. You feel you got it. Yeah, yeah. You know how it is, man. Yeah, because once you're in there, it's like it's like being in church. That's yeah. why it's church. That's why you don't do yeah. church online. You gotta be yeah. there. You gotta feel yeah. the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. You can't feel a, it through a screen. Yeah. Right, right. It's a nice substitute. It is. I ain't gonna lie. But there's nothing like being in front of 
the room or being in front of a speaker and that stuff is going to come back at some point in time. Now is the time, like you mentioned earlier, now is when you, you're planting the seeds. That's it. Now is when you're getting that website tight. Now is when you're getting that content right, you know, getting tight because within six, seven, eight, nine months, then it's going to get back rolling again. And you want to be ready. You want to be ready. Yep. Man, you got to be ready because yep. there's so much that we go through. And, you know, what you said about living now. Have you wrote your 2020 goals with your 2025 vision? You know, I haven't done that yet. And, th and thanks for saying that. And, uh, and it's probably because I tend to now um, write more bite-sized, larger goals. So I haven't mm -hmm. put them up like like person like I did this, but I will. And thanks for, for, for putting me to the test on that too. I will do that. Uh, but I will say I wrote this down. I was listening. I was working in the house yesterday, a couple of days ago, and I was listening to a minister, and he was saying, "Man, you need to start thinking of just these crazy audacious goals. Goals where, where you, if you share them with people, they'll be like, are you serious? No way. You know, they have to be. I do that they, now. <laughs> right? Right? God, God wants you to come with those types of just crazy goals, right? Yes, sir. And, and I thought of one, and uh, and I wrote it. I wrote it down on this piece of paper, and uh, I'm gonna keep it to myself. But just know that it has to do with. Uh, uh, well, I'm just gonna say it. it's basically is pay off my house and student loan in the next six years. Oh wow! And I'm talking about a brand new house. Yeah. Of almost a half a million dollar house. California, you know? California expensive. Come on. Come on, come on, right, right. But again, that's that's a bold, that's that's out there, right? Yeah. Because most people, are like, oh, 30, 20 years, maybe 30 years. No, 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 no. I want to build, I want to, my plan is to keep working corporate America, build my, my, my side businesses, my legal show business, build my speaking and my coaching. I, I don't see why if, if, I, if I put that all together in the right way, that I can, you know, make that happen. And not do I want to do it for me, Nick. I want to do it for me. You want to know I want to really want to do it? I want to be able to go to somebody and go, how much is your house payment? Oh, it's you know, 2000 Look, I got 1000 on it every month. You yeah. feel me? Help somebody else. That's it. Get out of debt, too. Let's, let's get it. Instead of just being everything being selfish for me, me, me. No, let me take care of my stuff so that I can help Nick. Yeah. Let me do it my stuff or help that person that's struggling. That's it. See? That's it. And you know, one of the things when you talk about that, Les Brown, one of the quotes I always remember is, it's not that we don't reach our goals. It's just that we set our goals too low and hit, and hit yep. instead of setting it too high and miss. And miss. Yeah. Right. Yep. So true. So true. So look, Nick, I mean, this is far out. But if I shoot for that and I miss, probably hit some pretty good goals on the way. <laughs> if you pay off 150, you like, I'm in a great spot. I don't pay 150 on my house in, in six years. Right, in six years. Like that's, but see, that's where, and that's, you know, the rationality. Like I said, I created a concept that I can generate in the next five years, five to seven years, 30 to $50 million a, a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People laugh. Said, okay. That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
how you do it? I don't. I, well, I you know. I don't know. We're gonna see if we're gonna get there. Yeah. But even if I get to three to five million, I mean, a month. Yeah. But I'm gonna pay eighty percent back out. Yeah. Right. Because that's the. I don't want to become a billionaire without making hundreds of millionaires first. Exactly. Exactly. Right. This is where, and this is the when you get good people doing good things and you can combine them, you can create momentum and you can create a wave that will sustain and, and change. And once you do something that changes other organizations mm-hmm. because you force them to change because you realize that they're using the same out of date mentality and systems mm-hmm. that are no longer benefiting the people. Mm-hmm. Working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. That's what I'm going after. Yeah, I'm ready. To I change the, I'm ready to change the structure. <laughs> hey, man, hey, hey, I truly believe, Nick. One thing that going through this, this, the, this, the, the thing with the strokes is that I feel like if I can come through that, I can do anything. But not only that, if I can come through that, I can believe people can do this about it. Can you see me, Nick? My battery. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay, okay, my battery right now. But um, is that uh, I, I believe. In, in others. You yeah. get what I'm saying? You believe it, I believe it. Let's it. do it. If you truly believe it, I'm with you. Because I get it, Nick, that if you get 1% of that, you're doing pretty darn good. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So uh, I'm with you, man. And I love it. I love your mindset. I love the fact the way we, we met and have come together. And the fact that um, uh, we think so much... <laughs> So much light, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal, man, how people, the law of connection, the way things happen. Um, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just awesome, brother. It really is. Man, I appreciate you coming through on the Lulu Logic podcast. It's, it's so awesome to have you stop through. You know, like you said, we met, uh, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Through Legal Shield. <laughs> yeah. Had a couple great conversations. Mm-hmm. You joined the Lulu Logic uh, Facebook group, and I love yeah, your posting bizarre. in there. Yeah, I love. I love just scroll. Hey, I, I mean, I say something all the time, but just scrolling through, seeing some of the stories, man, and see you guys going hard, man. I love it. It's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I appreciate you, man, and I just want to say thank you. If you can share something, some parting words with with people that might be going through a struggle right now in their own life with COVID or in a transition they're in, uh, transition because they lost their job. If you can just mm-hmm. share something with them that can motivate them to have hope mm-hmm. and, and understanding and moving forward mm-hmm. and, and just challenging that mountain that, mm-hmm. you know, one day you will get to the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, let me say this for sure. And this is something I say in all of my talks and I've had it on my website before, just recently changed it, but it's something that sits with me so so greatly. And that is embrace change. Delight in the lessons of disruption. Eventually, they both serve you. Mm. Embrace change. Delight in the lessons of disruption eventually they both will serve you 
So no matter what you're going through right now, try to find a way to embrace it. Now, I know that's not easy to do. We're humans. So we probably take a knee first. By the way, there's nothing wrong with taking a knee. Boxers do it all the time. Yeah. They're taking a beat and what do they do? They take a knee sometimes just to kind of gather themselves. And some boxers, right, have taken a knee, Nick, have risen up to win the fight. Yeah. Right? So sometimes you're going to have to do that. But at some point, you must muster up the energy, the courage to eventually go to give it a hug and go, you know what, it's on. You're an athlete out there. You're a former athlete out there. You've been through some fights before. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't took some of them L's. Yeah. You've been injured before, right? You know what I'm saying? Embrace it. Embrace the change. Embrace the challenge. Delight. Take something from those lessons when you're going through a disruption. That that's that's basically what I did. Everything that I went through, I documented it. Matter of fact, Nick, the reason why there's videos of me learning to walk again and pictures of me walking again and pictures of my face and all this stuff when this happened, because even at that time, my mindset was, this is going to be a hell of a story. Yeah. I'm about to create a story. We need to document this. Take the video. Take the picture right now, because I am going to use this. That's how we were talking about confidence earlier. That's right? it. Confidence, belief, you know, I'm going to come back, you know, from this. So that's the type of confidence I feel people should have. Not, you know, not facing reality, because reality is sometimes you are going to get punched in the stomach and take a gut punch and you have to take a knee, and that's okay. But eventually you got to embrace it. Yeah. Figure out a way to do it. And once you do that, delighting the lessons, because eventually they're, they're both going to help you you know, down the line, whether it's with the recovery process, with the bouncing back, whatever, or when you're five years down the road and you're working on a book or you're building a business or building your podcast or whatever, those lessons that you learn from that situation that you went through are going to serve you even, you know, at that time. Oh, Last thing I'll share is this, Nick. Um, serve somebody else through your situation. I always say, if you want to be a person that gives back. What do I mean by that? Give while you're on your back. Oh, man, see, it's so easy to give when we everything is good, hunky-dory. No, but when you're in a bad place, can you pray for somebody else? No. Can you wish somebody else wins even when you're losing? You see, it's being able to give, constantly give off that type of energy into the universe that is what serves you when you're in a situation. You've made so many positive deposits into other people like you do every day, every day Nick, and the thousands of fans who watch you play football for those, what, 14 years in the CFL or whatever, yeah. right? You poured it. You made deposits into their lives. So when you go through something, you're trying to build something, whatever, because of all of those deposits you're making, the universe allows you to make some withdrawals. For me, that withdrawal was some healing. Yep. Right? Me walking again. So for the allowing my businesses to keep going, even though I had to step away from it. You feel me? Yep. So those are those are my parting words, man. I'm really passionate about that, you know, obviously. And um, 
it's something I leave. I try to leave with all audiences when I speak one-on-one. Again, literally, I was with a coaching client within the last, you know, two hours. And we were talking about just, you know, some of the same, same things. So, look, man, I appreciate you having me on. Look, we've been sure. knowing each other. I, I, you know, we've been knowing each other a short time, but I felt like I, I've been knowing you for, for much, much longer uh, than that. Uh, like I said to, to yourself you know, months ago, I'm really proud of you. I like what you're doing, man. And uh, I'm inspired Appreciate by it. what you're doing uh, as well. And I'm not uh, afraid or, or feel like I'm too old and this and that <laughs> to give, right? To give the young brother some props on what he's doing and let you know that you know, what you're doing is serving me as well. And I'm honored, honestly, honored to be uh, a guest on your podcast, man. And I'm, yeah, I'm definitely open to, to serve anytime you need me to. Hey, I appreciate it. And when you were talking and, and some of the topics you're talking about, you know, I just, I tell people all the time when, when you can't find value in yourself, find it in serving others. Mm, mm. Right? Because I know, you know, I tied my I tied my value to sports for a long time, and it took a long mm-hmm. time to get over that hurdle. Yeah, but I found my value in serving others, and it always helps, man. It always helps. It really does. You'll you'll really find does. it there. And and when you were talking about taking a knee, I don't know if you ever heard the Georgia Tech uh, chaplain give the pregame speech. No, I'm gonna have to write that down. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man. He said, you talked uh, about that? Yeah. He says, we're going to fight until we can't fight no more. Then we're going to lay down and bleed a while. Then we're going to get back up and fight again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're yeah. going to take a beat. It's going to be hard. Yeah. 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 We're going to lay down and, and we're going to take it for a little bit, but we get back yeah. up, we're going to yeah. fight again. Yeah. So that's powerful. right. I love it, man. So powerful. Because it's so and true, man. <laughs> yeah, hey man, I appreciate you too, man. I, I, I'm excited for you, man. I, I really am, and I'm again excited to be part of your journey. Excited that you know we again we were linked together by mutual for your your childhood friend, right? Someone yeah. met 14 years ago through business. I mean, it's just funny how how life works, man. And I really feel like uh, I was you were supposed to be in my life and me and yours, and. Uh, you know, nothing happens by accident, man. It's 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 supposed. Things are happening the way they're supposed to happen. So, That's man, it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you yes, for sir. coming on and sharing your knowledge, sharing your leadership and wisdom with everyone, and, and your quotes and and just your story. It's a powerful story, and you know this podcast is cool because I get to take a little piece of everyone with me along yeah. the journey, and I get to learn so much. That's gonna yeah. give me more value. And, and I appreciate you for coming on and sharing this with me and, and uh, my audience. So thank you again. Oh, oh, quick, before, uh, before we get off, I almost forgot. Tell the people how they can get a hold of you. Oh, you know what? You can, uh, um, on all platforms, Miracle Minoy, M-I-N-N-O-Y, Motivation. Miracle Minoy Motivation. You can catch me there on Instagram. You can catch me there on Facebook. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that I, that I mess with every now and then. But that's how TerrenceMinoy.com, T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E-M-I-N-N-O-Y, TerrenceMinoy.com uh, is my website. So you can see me live. You can see me, not live, but see me in action on there. I'm going to keep a book from there as well. By the way, I'm working on a new book, Nick, so definitely we'll touch base probably the first of the year. Uh, a new book called 10 Man Leadership coming out. 
And so uh, I'm excited, you know, about that as well. And so, man, I'm looking forward to, to coming back and sharing with the audience. That's it. I'm, I know I'm going to get the book. And uh, do they have the audio book? Can I get it on Amazon, uh, my Kindle? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, as far as as far as in different strokes, the book, the, my first book that I wrote. Yes, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle uh, as well. I don't. I didn't do it in audio book, and people are kicking me because I didn't because they go, I can hear your voice while I'm reading, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so I, I need to do that. But with the second book, I do plan to have it, uh, you know, hard copy, audio as well uh, that'll be available. So, man, I'm excited cool. about this book. It's really gonna be about more so about leadership, but it's, again, it's going to have those personal stories that I think people can relate to. Yeah. It's, it's crazy for me. I, I can't, I can't really get into audio books. Really? I, I can listen to podcasts. I can listen to, yeah. I can listen to you speak on stage, but something about just putting on an audio book is just, I don't remember anything really. I need to physically read it to yeah. remember it. But if you're on stage and, and I'm just listening to it in a car or something, yeah. oh, I'm taking it. I'm getting it. But like, for some reason, put on an audio book in a car, it just doesn't process. Right, right. And, and you know what, for, for me, Nick, I've got into them over, over the last two or three years because, and how I do it is I listen and I put my timer on say like 30, because I drive a long way sometimes for work to, to accounts and stuff like that. I'll put my timer on, so I put 30 minutes. I'm only gonna listen to this 30 minutes, right? So that, that tells me while I'm driving on this freeway, just focus on what's going on just for 30 minutes. Then once yeah. it's done, I'm done. Then maybe the next day or day after I'll come back and I'll do 30 minutes. Okay. I got to do it in bite, bite, try that little bite sizes. And then I, I use to get more, cause I definitely get, there are a number of books. I mean, I, I would love to read, but obviously you know, time and yep. things yep. like that. But being able to listen, even if you just listen to a little bit of it is, is great. But I hear you don't yeah. want audio books. So. As soon as I finish the winter effect, I'm gonna get on your book. Hey man, it's all good, brother. It's uh, it's here, and thank by God's grace, it's gonna always be here. So, uh, whenever man, I appreciate your support, my brother. Yes, indeed. All right, we out. Yes, sir.